Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Happy Friday Eve. Um, thank you all for joining us for our second uh, 50th Conversations Over Cocktails. Uh, today's conversation is about energizing the future of equity, diversity, and inclusion at MG2. A huge shout out to our marketing department for coordinating these efforts and to our fabulous panelists as well. Um, for those of you who don't know me, Laisha Thomas, Associate Director um, of Shared Services. You'll see me in many, many business uh, areas uh, throughout the firm. So this isn't about me. Today is about our fabulous panel that we have. So I'm going to introduce everyone. We have uh, Annie Chan, Associate 5 of CP Eastern. We have Joy Cunningham, Associate 2 of CP Eastern. We have Elazar Juarez-Diaz. Associate One of Corporate Operations. And then we have Gabrielle Metzger, uh, Associate One of CP Eastern. So welcome all of our fabulous panelists today. Um, panelists, we appreciate your willingness uh, to share your unique perspectives with the firm today. All of us have unique fingerprints and we have to foster an inclusive environment and build a culture of celebrating uh, to energize the future at MG2. So I'm ready to get started. I know all of us are jumping from responsibility to responsibility, meeting to meeting, et cetera. Do you have your cocktail, your mocktail? Cocktails over here. Water, coffee, tea, beer, whatever's flowing your boat today. So yeah, let's roll, let's roll. So we're gonna get into our first question. And uh, first question is going to be for Ms. Gabrielle today. So who at MG2 is a constant source of inspiration and why? Yeah, I, I don't think I can name a specific person as a constant source of inspiration, but I feel like being able to have conversations with my coworkers and just those little, you know, things you learn about them and what they're working on here and there is something that inspires me. And it allows to like allows me to collaborate with them even more in our work and projects within the firm. And I think there's a little bit of something you can grab from everyone that you encounter and talk to in our firm, which is one of the things that I love the most about it. That's beautiful, Gabrielle. Thank you for sharing. Our next question is going to be for Elazar. So what drew you to MG2 originally? Are you muted by chance? I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so some folks probably heard me tell the story, um, but I was in my second year of my interior design program, and we had for a course we had to um, attend a couple of design related events and I signed up for an event that took place at MG2. Um, it was on based, I think on color theory or something. And uh, I'd never been to a firm before. I'd never, like I was very new to all of this and it, the office was so beautiful. Everybody was so great. The experience was so lovely that it just, I fell in love with MG2 and I remember thinking like, I want to work here. And I didn't think about that again. I sort of, you know, moved on with my life. And then I ended up working here. And uh, I think about it every once in a while, walking through the office and reminding myself that, you know, one day I was like, I want to work there. And it, it happened. Kudos to all the employees who showed Elazar this is the place for him to be. So shout out to, you know, MG2 employees. Glad you're here. All right, my next question is for Joy. What aspect of your role do you enjoy the most? So, um, obviously, as uh, Laisha mentioned, I am um, an associate too with um, Client Programs Eastern, but I also um, am involved in a number of roles that have kind of popped up over the last um, year or so. So I'm part of the Black Lives Matter Coalition, the EDI committee, um, and the Community Engagement Committee. And um, I really love um, 
being part of all of those groups in addition to my role because um, it gives me the opportunity to interact with people across the firm that I've you know never interacted with before. Even some people in my office that um, you know I've never worked very um, closely with before. Um, so it's 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 really good for me um, to meet people and interact with people and have conversations with people um, just beyond DC. Um, so that's what I enjoy the most. The people make the place, right? <laughs> Come on, Joy. That's right. People make the place around here. You already know. Wonderful. All right, Annie, you're up, girl. Next question's for you. So can you describe one of your most significant aha moments at MG2? How did it change your perspective on design, culture, architecture, and leadership? Um, hi, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for chiming in with us tonight. I want to actually give a shout out to Meredith Cutler, who's uh, based in the DC office as well. She actually has been a very pivotal point in how I've engaged MG2. Um, I'm not sure really where to start, but I, I, I do recall her asking me these questions. And I'm like, why is this woman asking me these questions? Why are we still having this conversation? And when I when I asked her, I, I think I told her, oh, I'm not interested in being licensed. And we still, we continued talking. And then at one point she goes, well, we're still having this conversation. So you must want to do something. And it was just that, like her jargon and her use of, um, I, I guess a comedic relief that made me feel very uh, aligned with the rest of the company. For those who don't know, I did come on board from the Lioness Group, which is a very different dynamic. It's a great place, but it's very different from your traditional design and architecture firm. Everything that happens from TLG is very quick. Um, it's a small team to begin with. So I haven't been in a setting with a large group of people in a very long time so jumping from having like 10 resources to endless resources has been um i guess we can say like a blessing in disguise this is nowhere i imagined myself to be but this has been probably the most fulfilling year at this point for me so um cheers to md2 for making it great making it worthwhile and everyone on my team who constantly just drives me to feel more empowered to do more and to find relatable ways to make it work in this environment because we don't all have to love architecture but i think it's the love of doing what we want to do and the camaraderie between x y and z meaning you know all folks um that make it make every day more worthwhile come on annie love that love that response as well thank you for that all right level it up a little bit here Next question is going to be for Elazar. So what is your approach to including new perspectives, colleagues, and cultural influences in your life, especially those whose backgrounds are significantly different from yours? Well, I think I think I'm in a fortunate situation in a way because before uh, working in design, I worked in uh, in development and fundraising for nonprofits, um, a few of them. And I think, I mean, I, I obviously grew up diverse. Uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm Mexican, I grew up along the border, all of that. But, um, but being involved with local nonprofits really helped me see what um, issues exist in Seattle and sort of how I can be involved in keeping that sort of present in my head all the time because I think I came here from Arizona thinking I was going to sort a progressive Mecca that was um you know just gonna make life easier and it in a lot of ways it, it did and it, it is but uh my involvement previously working and also volunteering for nonprofits really helped just keep me engaged in worlds beyond my own um and having having that experience I think Help sort of frame how I continue to do the work. Continue to do the work. That's right. We have to continue to do the work every single day. 
All right, next question up is for Gabrielle. How has MG2 elevated our definition of EDI through our current initiatives? Well, I think we're definitely stepping up to the plate and, you know, tackling these conversations that have been starting to um, gain attention over the past year and the pandemic and the BLM movement and everything that we've been going through. Um, I think we created a really great definition of what diversity is. Um, and I think we're really doing the work by, you know, introducing Sherry and, you know, taking on Project Pilgrimage and other, um, um, through other ways, through our EDI group. Um, I think we're really doing the work in starting to um, try and figure out what the next few years are going to look like, what the next 50 years are going to look like, and really um, nail down ways to make MGT more inclusive and open for anyone who wants to join. So, And our strategic plan is coming very soon here, so we'll be planning out our next uh, three years of activities for our EDI efforts. So I'm really, really excited about that. Kind of set us up for the next question and you didn't realize that. So my next question is for Joy. Um, is there anything surprising uh, you've learned from our work with Sherry and our current EDI efforts to date? And, and what is it and why? I've been involved with um or I've been part of the firm for three years and I guess involved with the EDI committee for the last year. Um, but I I think I'm um, what I would say is surprising to me is the power of kind of the small groups and breakout sessions. Um, I think I have been, you know, a part of those um, larger discussions. And while I do feel like um, a lot is accomplished in those, I think um, Maybe you have like your your handful of people that are are willing to speak up in the bigger groups, but when you take it to the smaller breakout sessions, I think that's that's really where um, the work is done. And what um, Sherry does, she'll she'll give um, different topics to these different breakout groups. So it's it's really um, powerful to kind of see um, what ideas and um, insights are generated uh, from those smaller groups in comparison uh, to the big groups. And like I said, I think um, when you have those smaller groups, you know, um, it can't just be one person talking, obviously, if there's a group of four people. So I think uh, more people are encouraged to talk and that um, definitely offers um, unique insights and perspectives that maybe you wouldn't get from a bigger group. Most definitely, and the goal is for everyone's voice to be heard here at MG2. So I'm glad that uh, you know, we're taking to those sessions with Sherry and looking forward to doing more work with her as we move forward. So, all right, Annie, you're up next again. So, what are some of the most stubborn barriers many face entering uh, the architecture profession? And how can y'all... I'm sorry. Can you repeat? Yeah. Yes. All right, so what are some of the most stubborn barriers many face entering uh, the architecture profession and how can we all help to overcome them within our everyday work? My biggest draw is um, conversation. As long as we keep conversations going and communication open across the board, um, that usually is the indicator of helping the community i will i will use that word probably many more times tonight but helping the community understand what it is to be an architect what it is to study architecture what it is to practice architecture and then what it is in its totalities there's so much um i will say myths that come across when people when you tell someone oh i'm in architecture you know they think oh you first comment i'm sure we all get is oh so you can build my house and it's, uh, you know, those little nuances like that. No, I can't build your house physically, but I can help you walk through the process of understanding what it could be. And 
really just opening up the eyes, I think, of those who are interested but don't know how to tap into it. Architecture, I think we all know, has been very male-dominated, has been very white man-dominated. Um, in the last 10 years, I think we can celebrate a lot more movement. And a lot of that movement is because of these individuals who have helped propel and create platforms for those who are interested. And I think that is um, everyone, everyone here's job to see how we can take that, our own knowledge, our own experiences, and how we can make an extension to those who, I wouldn't say less fortunate, who are just not in the know of what this, the, the situation is at the moment, you know, whether it be going to school. Architecture has many, many, many different facets that we can teach on. And I'm sure we all have been through ProPAC, uh, you know, during our college years to understand it. How can we actually apply all those professional practices in real life? Is everyone going to be a designer? You know, we have to understand and really vocalize the different doors that architecture can open for us. So I think that is my starting point, communication and conversation. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, Gabrielle. What does diversity mean to you? And how has your definition changed over time? Well, for me growing up, I think diversity, I think we always like a very standard definition of it going through school and college and life. Um, about it being like the inclusion of different groups, regardless of race, gender, class, um, all of that. But I think it has changed over time. I think the core of it has remained the same, but it's just become more expansive for me. Like now I consider it to um, include people of different gender orientation or expression or the disabled community or the neurodivergent communities. Like, I think as we're going through these times of social change and bringing awareness to different groups of people at, from all walks of life, that definition is just starting to expand and expand. And I think if we kind of see it as something that's ever changing, it would be like very beneficial for everyone. You know, Annie, that's right. She, she's snapping over there. I hear you. I want to ask you the same question. So, you know, what does diversity mean to you? You know, and how has your definition changed over time? Diversity to me is, as Gabby um, yeah, mentioned to you, ever growing. Um, I'm still learning every day what diversity could mean. I've been through many different challenges to to help me understand and help me face what diversity is. And I think, do I have a full answer for anyone? Um, it may come in along the lines of inclusion. It may come along the lines of acceptance. It may come along the lines of just gratitude, you know, how much we do have for all that's happening, all that we allow into our circles. And, and in this instance, like the MG2 circle, what is diversity here? Yes, we have a lot of different faces, but do the different faces bring different value to the table? Are we all just sitting and eating the same cheeseburger or we're we all going to do something really fun and switch it up? You know, maybe someone likes tacos, maybe someone that likes tacos without spicy. But I think that's diversity. Learning about everybody, learning every day about yourself and how to make a change. I'm not saying that's going to be an easy change. It may not even be impactful, but just small nuances that help us create more community, help us grow. And diversity within that should be um, something I say a lot too. Like if, if I was the same person I was 10 years ago, I might be a little shy to introduce myself because every day we should be growing in different ways. You know, I'm shedding skin, I'm growing new hair, I'm learning new definitions. I had a 40 minute call with Mustafa about greening today. So, you know, there's so many things that we can all go around to, to say, you know, what is diversity? How is that categorized within ourselves? How are we internalizing it? How are we sharing it? All right, I, I want to hear from all of our panelists on this question. So, uh, Elazar, you know, what does diversity mean to you? How has your definition changed over time? Uh, 
I, I mean, I think like the others, I also have, you know, sort of came up with a more traditional, I guess, idea of what diversity means. Um, and as I've gotten older, I think something that sticks out to me is uh, socioeconomic diversity and sort of differences between people. Like I grew up uh, undocumented in a small border town and uh, and I'm where I am now, but like sometimes interacting with people, you realize like your experiences are super different, the way that you understand uh, everything, like food, money, like just things that uh, sort of bubble up and I think nobody talks about, but um, like the way we all got to where we are now, uh, it's different for people and it, and that is impacted heavily by their uh, socioeconomic situation. Um, and that just always sort of jumps out at me as something to, to keep in mind <clears throat> about diversity and, uh, and, you know, what it all means. All right, Joy, same question for you. What does that diversity mean to you and how has your definition changed over time? Yeah, um, I mean, I would definitely describe, uh, if I'm thinking of a diverse environment, I would um, describe it as a, just kind of a place where all people can kind of freely express uh, their ideas and perspectives, Black, white, um, Indigenous people of color, um, LGBTQ plus women, um, the disabled and other minority groups that I probably not even um, thought of, but um, yeah, just um, kind of an, an open um, environment where all uh, perspectives and ideas are uh, truly valued, um, kind of going off of what Eliezer was saying, um, you know, whether that's um, food or um, your background or personal experiences, um, just a place where uh, that conversation um, can be had and the the environment kind of fosters an opportunity to um, learn from one another. Um, you know, I, I think of, I really do think of the DC office at MG2. I, I think it's um, pretty diverse, um, you know, speaking speaking on you know the people that i interact with on a daily basis um so many um different women of different um races and backgrounds um people of different ages i i love being um in that office and uh part of that dc family um i think my my view of diversity has definitely changed over time. I would say uh, growing up in um, Virginia, an hour south of DC, um, I did, you know, grow up in a diverse environment. Um, but then going to college and entering the architecture profession, that all kind of changed a bit. And it really wasn't until uh, I came to MG2, to the DC office where um, I was able to kind of see that uh, diversity in the workplace again. So very grateful to be in the DC office. That's what I'm talking about, y'all. Great answers to that question. Uh, we had a few examples of uh, diversity within the Irvine office uh, the last couple of weeks, you know, in Seattle as well, too. We celebrated Mexican Independence Day last week, and actually, uh, Jenny, uh, showed up this morning here uh, in Irvine with some mooncakes and educated us on the Mid-Autumn Festival. Um, and that was very, very, uh, I would say, educational and informational, but it, you know, we need to bring more of that to MG2, celebrating all of our cultures and, and learning about each and every one of us. So I appreciate everyone you know, adding to that and want to see more of that in, in all offices that we're celebrating each and every one of us here. All right, let's go with our next question here. Uh, Elazar, if there was just one thing everyone at our firm could do to advocate for EDI at MG2 that would have a significant positive impact, what would that be? 
I think just being being aware of your role in maintaining uh, the sorry, I'm just trying to think of the right words. Um, I think we tend to gravitate toward what's familiar, and I think that applies to uh, like hiring practices and like sort of the food you eat, like the world that you engage with. And uh, and I think uh, so much of that is unconscious, like we just do it. Um, but the more sort of self-aware we can be about, like, it's not just about color, but the colors of the faces at the table uh, on teams, like how diverse is your team? And like what, um, I think obviously at a design firm, we're looking for design skills um, and like, practical like skills, but I think that there's um, room for all of us to be more aware of uh, checking in with ourselves about what, why we gravitate towards certain people, why certain people are a better fit than other people. I think that across the board, like any work environment, I would think that that is something that if everyone sort of operated in that way uh, would help just create and bring in more diverse viewpoints. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yes, it makes sense. I'm going to pose that same question to Gabrielle, actually. We'll repeat the question. So if there was just one thing everyone at our firm could do to advocate for EDI MG2 that would have a significant positive impact, what would that be? Um, I think... I think we in our profession should focus more on community. Like I know architecture, we um, work with people. That's our job. We're, we're designing for people. Um, but I think submerging yourself into different communities and like maybe even simply incorporating it more into our firm culture like being more active in our communities and our different cities. Um, and I think that's a good way to like advocate for EDI um, more so outside of the firm and just like so people that MG2 is trying to do the work and we're, you know, out there and helping people and, you know, trying to spread what architecture could be and what it could look like and inspire people to want to join the profession. Um, I think like more community work would be the answer for me. Um, and maybe uh, just putting it at the forefront of, you know, what we do as part of like maybe even our goals or just, um, yeah, just start thinking about how to reach out to others and, different communities, college kids. Um, like we're already doing a lot of work with that with ACE and the CEO mentorship that Joy led, but um, I think it could be done on a more individual basis. Hearing that word filter throughout this conversation here, community, community, community. All right, Joy. Who or what makes you feel empowered to use your voice to stand up for diversity? Um, I think for me, just kind of seeing the way uh, diverse voices have been uh, amplified over the last year has um, really kind of inspired me and motivated me um, to use my voice um, amongst, you know, all of the, the racial injustices going on in our uh, nation. I think, um, you know, I'm very, I have been in the past very uh, shy, reserved and uh, introverted. Um, and even coming into um, MG2 when I started, you can ask people, I was, you know, pretty quiet. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, 
it was, you know, within the, over the last year, it was really time to um, stop shrinking myself, to um, stop being silent and to really just um, step up and uh, walk in confidence and um, make sure I'm not only, you know, advocating for myself, but um, advocating for um, other employees across the firm and also advocating for um, di more diverse um, more diverse representation um, across the industry. Kenny, I want to bring this question to you too as well. So who or what makes you feel empowered to use your voice to stand up for diversity? Um, for the younger mice, younger me. I'm not a narcissist. Promise. <laughs> I'm just saying, I will tell a little bit about my story. I grew up um, in Brooklyn. I didn't speak English when I went to school. Um, <laughs> a lot of people don't expect me to have English as my second language because I, you know, I, I don't come with the accents that most people will perceive an Asian person to come with. I'm interested in all these things that my father presented to me, which was uh, a lot of construction, a lot of architecture. He he brought a different light to my eyes, which may be good, may be bad, I don't know, right? But how it's helped me and how it's given me um, just passage to understand what it could be more of is because the younger me would never speak up a lot about a lot of stuff. I would only speak up if it was to protect, you know, my younger siblings, to make sure that someone wasn't making fun of them, wasn't bothering them, wasn't bullying them. As an older sister, that is your your duty. I realized then, well, who's going to come fight for me? Who is going to stand up for you, Annie? Like, what what are you going to do when the situation comes up? Your brother and your sister are not prepared to fight that fight. Your parents aren't prepared to fight that fight. I was always a translator. I'm still the translator. And things like that, I think, because I was exposed to at such a young age, helped me understand where I wanted to build my foundation, where I wanted to invest in, 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 in all means of life. You know, I could be investing in, oh my gosh, this shirt is so cute. I'm gonna figure out how I'm gonna get this shirt. or wow, I really want to ace this test. I, I'm really, really interested in this class. How will I get through this class? How can I jump from this stone to the next stone? Or if I'm interested in this company or this type of design, how can I learn more about it? And it's really advocating for yourself, learning about yourself, which is a journey of its own. And I think from where I used to be versus where I am now is a testament to understanding that part. And it goes to a lot of what Joy just mentioned too, you know, I am too an introvert. I've learned to accept that and also learned that I can be introverted, but also like to talk to people. You know, I, I like to entertain, I like to host, I love to cook. So I'm always having dinner parties at my house, but does that mean I'm the person? No, I'm not the person, but I'm learning a lot about myself. And I think that helps me create a space. And then when I create a space, I know how I can align and I can also speak to people who have similar experiences or are going through those troubles and struggles of figuring out what it is to be in in this community or in architecture or how to how to really find a way. So it's been it's been an interesting dynamic between um all my previous employers, my career path and also jumping in 72 and having such a welcoming committee that, I mean, where, where do you find this? You know, I started with 72 during a time of distraught. You know, I started when we were in COVID and pandemic. I didn't meet my team until a few months ago. Everything was just face to face. And I was awarded that luxury to be amongst a group of people who really care about you. So it's only my right to do better so that I can also help those around me. All comes full circle. That's right. What goes around comes around. A lot of growth in the mindset that we're hearing right now. 
as well too. Love that. All right. We're gonna come to Gabrielle on this, and I think I want to hear from the whole panel on this question as well. So, uh, Gabrielle, we'll start with you. What is your top priority when it comes to EDI in the workplace? The first thing that comes to mind for me would be just making people feel comfortable. Um, I think it's so important to walk into a room or a space and see people that, you know, feel familiar. And I think um, representation is important. And we talk about it all the time in our field, just how people of color and people from other groups are just not represented as much as we'd like them to be. So I think you know, doing my best and like trying my hardest in this field and profession and at MG2, I think in turn that attracts other people to do the same and feel like they can also do the same and come in and then we can eventually grow more and more diverse. And um, just, I think, I think inspiring through example is important. And I think that would be a great way to I just bring new people in and yeah, I would say that. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, Elazar, keep the I'll repeat the question for you. What is your top priority when it comes to EDI in the workplace? I think I'm with Gabrielle. Um, I think representation matters. Uh, like I was saying before, uh, seeing folks that uh, I don't know, that make you feel comfortable or that make you feel like uh, there's space for you, I think is important. And I know diversity isn't all about um, outward appearances, but I think having uh, a more diverse environment just creates uh, a space for people to fully be themselves. And I think as people are fully themselves, then you get to hear about the diversity uh, folks where you don't like just see it on their face where, you know, like if you're creating an environment where uh, people are comfortable um, or you're fostering, uh, you know, um, doing things like this where you're uh, creating space for people to share about themselves. I think that helps uh, make other people comfortable. Um, and I think I sp speak from personal experience, like I'm sure the other panelists uh, would agree on some level, uh, you know, just walking into a room and feeling like you have, I don't know, often feeling contained and having to figure out, like assess the situation and and whether or not you can, how much of yourself you can, you can really be. And I think a lot of us have been doing that our entire lives. Um, so the more representation, I think the less, the easier that is for, for folks. Same question for you, Joy. What is your top priority when it comes to EDI in the workplace? Yeah, I'm also gonna echo um, Gabrielle and Elazar a little bit, but um, I think honestly, yeah, just making sure all voices are heard. Um, I think, you know, EDI in the workplace um, can really offer, you know, diverse and collaborative environments, uh, which can, you know, really um, improve, you know, practices from um, team building to, um, you know, different um, unique perspectives on uh, projects that, you know, you may never have thought of before had you not worked with um, this diverse group of people. Um, I think, you know, EDI and diversity is, you know, crucial for uh, the the learning process. Um, I think, you know, just because, you know, you've been um, on this account for however many years and in architecture um, with so many years of experience doesn't mean that, you know, somebody like fresh out of school um, from, you know, across the country um, who may be, you know, a little young, um, can't, you know, offer their um, skill set, their 
talents um, and their um, worth worth work ethic um, to the group and um, really, um, you know, challenge, challenge the tradition a little bit, um, challenge, you know, what has been done in the past and really um, help create some um, diverse and um, unique work that uh, the project, the account, the team may have never seen before. So, um, yeah, I think getting these diverse groups, project teams, collaborative environments together is really um, crucial to kind of just doing doing things that um, kind of go beyond what has been done in the past. And you know, I wanna hear from you as well. My New York system over there. I want to hear from you on this question too. So, what is your top priority when it comes to EDI in the workplace? EDI in the workplace top priority would be, as everyone has already mentioned, uh, representation, representation, and upward mobility. Championing those two, I think, are really hard aspects that many people um, are trying to. And I think MG two has. A really good foundation as to what they want and what they perceive as those uh, notions to be true and i think a lot of it has to do with you laisha running these shows bringing people together you know it's it's a very it takes a special person to be able to speak to everyone and i think mv2 has been really fortunate to bring on folks who do the same in each community and each um outlet each market they're in so i think most importantly is representation and upward mobility shout out to you my sister thanks it's going to take all of us as well too but appreciate that as well all right let's let's talk about some new ideas for the future for edi um gabrielle what are your hopes for EDI in our industry? Um, and what would be different? Um, hopes for EDI in our industry and what would be different? Um, I mean, I hope that it becomes more diverse as we're all <laughs> here discussing. Um, but it's hard to kind of tell how how it could be different. I think um, I think the thing that comes to mind would be um, we would have different clients across the board. I think like I hope with a more diverse profession, we'll attract more diverse people who indeed architects, and that would like trickle down into you know, like I said, community. I've also been saying that a lot, but just like, um, I just expect our clients will start to change and be more open to hiring architects and be more comfortable hiring architects. Um, I think a lot of people have these great ideas, but don't know how to execute them. So, you know, being, starting off by being a diverse firm, um, we can start to reach those people and it'll eventually expand and grow, I would help. I think I think I want to pose this question um, to Joy as well. So what are your hopes for EDI in our industry and, and what would be different? Um, so when I hear this question, I think of um, I think of the built environment and um, systemic racism that has been ingrained in the built environment. And while, um, you know, things are changing maybe on a, a conversation front, like the built environment is the built environment. And, um, you know, a lot of these buildings and systems within the built environment um, have been around for, you know, hundreds of years. Um, so I think 
um, making efforts to kind of reverse that, um, kind of um, analyzing where we're building, um, what populations we are reaching, um, when we are, you know, looking for a site or developing, um, how can we provide food through the built environment for um, a food desert and making sure, you know, underserved populations um, get the resources um, that they need through our work. I think I would like to see it. I would like to see EDI on more of a, a systematic approach um, within the built environment in our industry. That's good. All right. Elazar, what would our organization look like if it was more diverse and inclusive? Well, first I'll say that I think MG2 is diverse and inclusive. It's one of the reasons I love working here. Um, obviously, uh, every firm has work to do. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that uh, that we're that we're good to go, that we're all set. But um, I think it is a diverse enough environment. Um, but I, like I was just saying, but like I was saying before, I think just a, a place where stuff like this is is common, where there are um, where things like this are attended by more people. Not that however many people are on now isn't great, but just that it becomes. Uh, I think we're at a time when we just uh, came out of a really rough year, where a lot of uh, like social justice issues came to the forefront, and there's a lot of room for sort of performative, um, like allyship. And I think um, seeing this just continue as just like a part of our DNA, I think would uh, would be. Yeah sort of create the diversity that I think we're we're all hoping for. Hear you a thousand percent on that. I think there's about 108 on the call. We dropped down a little bit, but uh, it's up to us to continue to encourage everyone else that we do not see on the call to stand up for this effort, right? That's and, employees. No, no judgment on them. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like I didn't even go to the first conversations over coffee, which I can't believe I just admitted, but um, but you know, I think that there—I don't think it's an intentional. Like, I don't want to be a part of that. It, it's just sort of—I think the more we do this, the more commonplace it'll be. And yeah, no, you know, everyone is on deadlines. There's so many things happening. You know, so we, we get that that everybody can't be in every place at at one time. But you know, we'll continue to encourage to say, hey, make it a priority if you can. But we understand. Clients are, you know, at the front of that as well. So appreciate that. Okay. All right, Annie. So, how are equity, diversity, and inclusion initiatives shifting the bar forward in the workplace? And then, how would you describe the work ahead of us? I think this whole EDI um, movement is great. Obviously, um, I want to also point out that MG2 allows for diversity in very different ways. Um, how many of us can attest to prior organizations we've been a part of and they want to do a, a volunteer event? It'd be, hey, let's sign up for construction. No, nothing against construction, but, you know, that is our contribution to the community. Or, hey, let's pack some meals and give it out. But here, the DC office is currently about to embark on their first, uh, to, our first design charrette to go partner with DC Greens, The Well, and Shop Architects, headed by Joy, <laughs> to really create an environment that's everlasting. This is like, again, I'll use the word full circle. It's ever evolving, it's ever producing. This is really done with. The community in mind. This is not just a one and done situation. We're really extending our arms with passion, with dedication, 
And I don't think too many people can say that they do that on behalf of their work environment. Like, you know, you may have your personal interests and you'll go ahead and spearhead um, things you want to do to reflect on later on, but also to make an impact on where you are. But MG2 allows space for this. And I think this is not because I'm with MG2. I'm just going to paint how great it is. It's, it's really interesting to see how much time and dedication an organization is putting forth and putting forward for people who, I mean, not everyone looks like me, but I know they care about me. And I think that's the great thing about MG2 as is, how we will look moving forward, continue to propel those who are not in the place to do so, provide more resources. I think that is the key word to a lot. We can't do much without resources. And that goes back to my first comment about conversation and communication. It's just, I don't have to babysit you, but I can tell you and show you where these resources are. And that then becomes your duty to fulfill. And if you want it, you're going to go get it. I think all of us want to go get something. Right. That's right. You want to go get it. That's right. Um, all right. Last question for the group. We're coming up on our time here. And, you know, it's elaborating a little bit more um, on where we're going to see ourselves in the next five to 10 years. So you guys are starting that conversation. but. You want to add to it a little bit more that would be great so um, gabrielle how do you hope the adi team and mg2 will evolve over the next five to ten years you know and beyond yeah i think i talked about it a little bit before but um i think more community involvement and outreach is something that i think we would benefit from you know, incorporating into, you know, our goals or just what we do um, way more often. Uh, we have day of giving and um, we have other initiatives that we try to do, but I'm just hoping that, you know, on an individual level, we'll take it upon ourselves to go out into the communities and like spread the word about MG2 and architecture and just like show people that they can do exactly what we're doing. And, you know, we, come from similar environments and you know have similar backgrounds and there's like common ground between all of us that you know i think i think architecture is um people don't really understand it as such an important field um one that is like everywhere i don't think you realize that everything you interact with every day is like some sort of architecture and I think it just needs to be more, um, it just needs to be more accessible to everyone. And I think, you know, us going and volunteering and doing like what Joy's doing with um, a well project, it's just great steps and, you know, having people become more interested in architecture as a whole. All right, Joy, same question. How do you hope the EDI team and MG2 will evolve over the next five to 10 years and beyond? Yeah, um, I think, you know, we've had um, definitely a good foundation over the last, um, well, I've been here three years. Um, <laughs> but even seeing that um, grow within the last year and all of our um different outreach commitments um has been great but i think um and somebody might have mentioned this on an, an edi meeting so i apologize if i'm stealing someone's idea but i think it's a great one um to uh maybe make our own um mg2 i guess we already have an mg2 foundation but an extension of that so um thinking about the uh, mentorship programs that we do, um, ACE and CEO, what if we had, you know, our own MG2 mentorship program where we're, um, you know, reaching out to high schools and kind of getting students to come in? What if we're hosting our own uh, hip hop architecture camp or something? 
Um, what if we have these different partnerships with um, different organizations on an ongoing basis that really um, target underserved populations, target um, maybe students, children, even, you know, adults that are just um, interested in learning uh, more about architecture. I think, you know, like I said, we have the foundation, we've laid the groundwork, we've, um, you know, come up with um, some of our own ideas and strategies within these um, different efforts to, you know, definitely develop our own over the next couple of years. So I, I think I would really, you know, love to see, you know, our own kind of branded uh, organization that um, targets some of these underserved populations. Great. All right, Annie, you know, I want to give you, give you a chance to chime in on this question as well, too. Um, you know, how do you hope EDI team and MG2 will evolve over the next five to 10 years and beyond? Uh, maybe buy a beach house for everyone to go play at. Just putting it out there. <laughs> like that outer bank? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, no, I think, I mean, yes, that I really hope that happens. Um, but studio culture is something that's really important to me. Uh, that was embedded in me in one of my first jobs in the field. And that uh, that organization has been monumental in my growth. And I think I haven't found something as close to that since um, since joining MG2. So it's been it's been really interesting seeing what what topics of discussion people want to highlight here. I think those conversations are the ones that are not always so easy to have. I know there's an initiative at the DC office right now, which is to bring more people on site, give them opportunity, uh, let them see what the process is. You know, construction administration isn't always the be most beautiful part of the project, but it's really fun. You know, we, we learn so much through it, being on site, being in the field, seeing what you've done for the past few weeks or past few months has transpired too. So it's all about the opportunities that MG2 is willing to provide. And I think a lot of people who are in the position to make those decisions have everyone else in mind. So that is, I mean, it's pretty gnarly. I think mental health, of course, is a is a topic that we should always have on the table because burnout in architecture is too often too high. Um, is it okay? Yeah, we understand there are deadlines, there there are priorities. We'll all push through, but in the same light, are we getting the same time off that we should have? Is that is that diversity there? Is that inclusion there? Is equity available there just for the health of each individual? Um, because without each of us, it's harder for the company to continue on. I'm not saying that we're not expendable, but I think the group and the family that MG2 has created for all of us and how we've extended ourselves to make this a community that we want to participate in is a rarity. You know, a lot of people talk about how they don't like their jobs. They don't want to go to work the next day. I'm sure we all are guilty of it sometimes, but I think I can safely say that so much of the beauty that comes with what you do and is a rep representation of you comes with your your nine to five every day. You know, we can't contest the fact that not, we're not here together for more time than we would like to be. You know, we could be hanging out with our friends or our family, but we're really with this, the, this set group of people that we've um, signed on to. And a happy marriage like that doesn't come too often. So... I don't know what MG2 has in mind. Um, I do know it'll be exciting. And I do think that having a beach house would be great as well. But, you know, we'll do with what we can for now. Let's see what we can do. You know, what it is. Elazar, did you want to add on to that before I close this out? It's, it's after a four, but I all of the above, all of that. Yeah. Fabulous. All right. So, you know, as time moves on, you know, I think it's our duty to continue to elevate every every employee's sense of belonging, you know, and embrace all of our diverse perspectives, you know, on our project teams and, and with our designs as well. So, you know, we have to create a culture for everyone to bring their whole self uh, to the work that is being done here at MG2. So the tricky part of creating that, 
you know, inclusive culture is this, though. It's not just an HR or shared services responsibility. Again, it's gonna take all of us to make this happen and uh, to challenge the, the status quo. So um, I truly thank everyone for taking the time out to, to join us for this conversation today. Do shout out to, to our, our panelists as well. Um, no, everyone's off, it's off to the next meeting or you know, getting back on the next task or DC, hopefully you guys are shutting it down and on to your second cocktail. Um, but otherwise, everyone, it's, it's happy Friday Eve and uh, have a great rest of the week. And again, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thanks, guys. Bye, great everyone. job. That was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good one.